All right, everybody, welcome to episode six of the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne. You can follow me at Twitter at BrandonThorneNFL. And I'm here with a friend of mine and a respected voice in the offensive line community, Duke Mannyweather. Duke, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, getting back in the swing of things after spending some time in Indy uh, for the NFL Combine and, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up a 10-week block of Combine and Pro Day prep for guys. That's awesome. Yeah, we got to spend some time together in Indianapolis for the Combine, which was my first time there. And, I mean, it was a great trip. We got to be around a lot of people and some of the guys that you were training specifically did really well there. So it was a great trip, but I wanted to start with that and just talk about the combine a little bit, just overall impressions of it and what you generally take from the combine, specifically related to offensive line. I know that we've talked about this in the past, but is there certain aspects of their workout that you pay especially close attention to or you think are the most valuable parts for offensive linemen? Yeah, you know what? The, the combine is interesting because there's a lot of debate of what goes on. And, you know, what does the combine mean? And if it's, um, you know, meant to be a deal breaker for some guys. But this is really how I look at it. Um, in this order, game film and your overall body of work and then all-star game for a closer look um, versus elite competition um, that then takes you to a pro day for intimate look. And really what the combine does before your pro day is kind of ties up loose ends um, and what you think you saw on film and then for those all-star games in terms of athleticism and mobility or lack of mobility uh, 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 for that matter. I think for the combine, for offensive line, some of the most important things are the actual interviews and medical checks. Um, Those are the most important, and those are the things that the general public really don't have uh, access to. So I think for offensive line and even for every position, um, that aspect of the combine is what really is important. I mean, what a guy is is what he is on film. Um, You know, now, again, I think what the combine does do, and we kind of saw that this week. Let's take take the center position as an example. You had three guys in – Bradbury, Eric McCoy, and uh, Elton Jenkins, who, you know, people were kind of split on in terms of, um, you know, who was uh, the number one, who was the number two. Um, And, you know, for me, those guys are all ice cream in terms of, you know, what you like as a player. Now, Garrett Bradbury was in the first group of offensive linemen. And so, you know, he put up some – outstanding numbers you know and everybody's oh he separated himself yeah he did. and rightfully so to think that because i tell you what it's not every day that you see an interior lineman run four eight four nine you know and what garrett did on the bench because he answers some questions i think in terms of functional strength and overall uh you know power because there were some questions about it was his anchor strong enough did he have the upper body strength to play and i still don't think the bench is the great end-all, be-all in terms of upper body strength. But for a lot of people, uh, and especially what we heard from a lot of teams, you know, just kind of being around is, oh, you know, he answered some questions. So you're going into this, especially for the center position, where traditionally, um, you know, you're not going to have testing numbers that blow it out the water. You're like, oh, 
there's your number one. He separated it, you know, because it was kind of him and McCoy. Right. And then all of a sudden, Eric McCoy comes up and runs. And, you know, he has the best time amongst all offensive linemen. I think he did 32 or 31 reps and then had a few taken away from him. You know, had a 31-inch vert and just, you know, looked smooth and fluid in his, his drills. And so, again, I mean, there's still probably going to be, you know, some teams that like Bradbury better, some teams that like McCoy. But I say all that to say this, um, the combine definitely can be a separate, uh, separator uh, for some positions when you have prospects closely uh, ranked or view prospects closely. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree. And really those those three positions or those three names at center, I think, really separated themselves with I think Bradbury and McCoy really kind of separated themselves as the top two guys if you want to factor in the combine that way, which there's some merit to for sure because Jenkins, I don't, you know, he didn't really test on the same level as those two guys in terms of sheer athleticism, you know, but but when you look at his physical tools, though, I mean, he's a 6'5", 315, long arm, rangy type player who a lot of people think even has the ability to play uh, right tackle. I mean, he's played some tackle. He's played every position um, in a game except for uh, left guard, which he got some reps in at uh, the senior bowl. Uh, but, you know, so when you look at it, – it's so funny. You look at a, a guy like that, and though he may not have tested well, you look at some of the physical traits and then you look at the position flexibility, and all of a sudden, hell, he's he's intriguing again, and you still consider him one of those top guys. Right, yeah, that's that's the beauty of the process with 32 teams. I'm sure there might be a team or two or more with him as the number one guy. I wouldn't be surprised at all about that. So, you know, yep. um, and then as far as tackle, I, I think – you spoke about the interview process, and while we didn't get to actually obviously get access to, to interviews, we did get to see some media interviews, and that's where Jonah Williams, I think, really stood out, aside from looking really good in the drills and everything like that, is the way that he responded to questions about him staying at, at left tackle, which I thought he handled yeah. brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly there because he didn't shy away from it. And he really confronted that and made it clear that he has the confidence and the right attitude, I think, to succeed at tackle. So do you think NFL teams noticed that and probably appreciated that as, as much as we did? Absolutely. There's a lot of teams that specifically look for chinks in the armor, so to speak, with some of these players in the interview process. Um, and those chinks could be something as simple as uh, confidence or something as simple as assertiveness um you know they want to see how these guys are going to respond and if they think and know they're the guy um based off of their body of work of film like i said that was my number one game film and your overall body of work um so when you look at that and you look at what jonah did in the interviews uh people can interpret uh what they want from some of the plays that he's gotten beat on in the past couple of years but the fact of the matter is i don't give a damn about uh people saying oh uh, player X is the best pass protector in the draft because of what he could be. I'm looking at what guys have put on film, and the best pass protector and the best tackle in the in the country has been Jonah Williams. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, again, we don't get to be in those interviews with teams, but you know, I did get to speak to Jonah um, 
you know, I have a pretty good relationship with him. And, uh, you know, again, he reiterated, you know, listen, teams talk to me about playing tackle. They view me as a tackle. So I don't know where all this came from about some people saying that he should be a center and uh, that may be his best position because it sounds like that many teams still view him as a tackle. And here's another thing, and we've seen this over the years, and I don't know, but there's a lot of times smoke screens can be sent out about what a player really is to drop the value, then all of a sudden you see a guy get taken sixth or seventh overall, and guess what? He's playing left tackle. So you never know what's going on. What I do think is what Jonah possesses, not only mentally, uh, but, of course, the physical and the critical factors, um, will make him a really good pro. Um, I think Joe Thomas and Sean O'Hare did a great job on NFL Network watching that replay of uh, the O-line drills and what they talked about, why they talked about those critical factors of why he's going to be good and why he's had success. Too many people look at offensive line and say, oh, well, he can't do this or he struggles with that instead of checking the boxes of what he can do. And that's a young man that showed he could do a lot of different things. Um, you know, even – and I, I I think it's funny because there's a lot of people who have said, you know, stop comparing him to Joe Thomas. And then what happens? Joe Thomas and Sean, o, Sean O'Hare compared Jonah to Joe Thomas. <laughs> right. So I found that pretty funny. And I, I, I went – knowing Joe a little bit, uh, I bet he did that j- purposely to make a point and to get under the skin of some of the pundits that felt like that Jonah can't play uh, tackle. Um, another guy that yeah. stood out to me at Tackle yeah. Juan Taylor. I mean, he just, yes, he went in there had a tremendous day. Um, I agree. You know, even though he yeah. tweaked his hamstring you know, in the forty, he's still a great in the drills. Yeah. Oh man, just his ability to be able to change directions while keeping his pad level and his hips low. Um, always maintain a functional base, never bringing his feet back together. Was able to pick him up, put him down, and really duplicate, um, you know, his, his his spacing and his footwork. Uh, he looked really natural in the kick slide drill on both sides, playing right and left tackle, um, which you see. Because you saw, you saw some players, and I, you know, I won't really point out some players. You saw some players who have traditionally looked great on the left side, um, you know, looked decent in that kick slide drill that they moved to the right. And, of course, we've talked about this before. The landmarks get all off and you just don't, don't look the same. But Juwan Taylor was able to flip sides and really look good on both sides doing it. Um, I know he was well coached too at Florida with uh, John Abisi as his O line coach uh, last year. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I'm interested to see. And I wouldn't be surprised if he kicks over the left tackle, uh, even though, you know, there, again, we've talked about this all the time is that, you know, some of the best rushers rush over the right uh, tackle. So, but there's going to be a team that wanted to play left tackle, and I think he'll be able to do it just fine. Yeah, I I think I agree with you on that. And we were watching those drills together, you know, and I remember, you know, in Indy with Jawan Taylor. I mean, he, he looked crisp and clean. Everything you said, just I completely agree with. He he was really impressive. For being somebody that I haven't won and just kind of went into the combine blind with, he really impressed me, especially because he's, you know, he's a bigger dude. He's, you know, 6'5", like 315. So he uh, he definitely checked the boxes and the drills, I thought, and especially with that additional context of maybe tweaking his hamstring a little bit in the 40, it didn't seem to affect him. So maybe playing through a little bit of pain is maybe part of that as well. That's impressive. But I really I do I do like those two guys. And those are two guys that I think most people like, you know, aside from some of these pundits who are saying Jonah's a center, which is ridiculous. But 
Yeah, I mean, aside from those two tackles, I wanted to ask you about a guy who's pretty polarizing. I think he's there's a lot of different opinions on him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a guy from Washington State in Andre Dillard, somebody who, you know, a lot of people are saying on film he has smooth feet, quick feet, whatever, you know, just the general type of talk when somebody – look smooth on film but I, I I don't know I have questions about him we saw a little bit in the drills of his base getting narrow in the kick slide drill and do you think what he did at Washington State is going to be able to translate real smoothly into the pros I mean I would imagine that he's going to be asked to hit different set points and of course the competition is going to go up for him more than most but so those two things, I mean, is there reason to have a little bit of concern about him being, you know, a top two, three tackle? Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is that uh, some of the Washington State uh, tackles and offensive linemen that have come out uh, recently, period, they really have struggled to transition to the pro games because not much of what they have been asked to do really translates into uh, success or even, you know, what they'll be asked to do on Sundays. That being said, what I see in Andre Dillard is a guy that has a lot of upside in terms of the way he moves, even, even you know, some of the things that he does possess in terms of critical factors. Uh, but you did touch on his base narrowing and then even, you know, kind of a wasted step in his kick. Is he a smooth and mover? Absolutely. Can he change directions? Absolutely. But you don't want to always be in a position to have to play from behind, you know, because at some point when you get an injury or, you know, the bullets are flying, you don't want to have to always rely on, oh, well, I'm athletic enough. You want to have tools to the toolbox. Now, everything that I've heard about him is he is a worker. I know he, along with Jonah Williams, he was working with uh, Joe Staley a bit. Nice. So, you know, I'm pretty sure there's been – some exchanges there that kind of helped him. But I think he's a guy that can absolutely be a top tackle. But it's going to take – his best football is going to be ahead of him. It's going to take him getting with the right coach and the right system for development, I think, to realize that full potential. And if he does that, man, he could be really, really good. He's a guy that I do like. And I'm not really a, a, a big, oh, I like this guy's upside because what we've seen – repeatedly is that a lot of this potential does not go realized based on the situation that these guys get in. So, yeah. um, I, I do, I do like Dillard though. I think that, uh, you know, he can be very good, but we did see, uh, some of those concerns rise, um, even in the drills in the combine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely an interesting guy. And the, the last tackle I wanted to ask you about is somebody who's probably more, but pundits and analysts are more split on than anybody else, and that's Greg Little from Mississippi. So just talk to me a little bit about him, what you like, what you don't like, and just how you view his, at least his, his first contract in the NFL and what he can be. Yeah, you know what, Greg Little's interesting, and I'm going to tell you why. Greg Little quietly had one of the best 2018 seasons amongst all these tackles that we're talking about, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, he played at an All-American level, and I think it kind of got overshadowed because Ole Miss was not bold eligible. Um, some of the knocks on Greg Little um, just from internally is that, you know, a lot of people say that he's not a hard worker and that he's kind of careless with his preparation. Um, that's what the outside perception is of him. Um, now, what I see 
on tape is he's a natural pass protector who does very good in uh, cutoffs and, and fitting blocks and, you know, really using his angles. He's not going to maul anybody off the ball, okay? And I think what a lot of people uh, have said about him is that he's not functionally strong enough to really get movement consistently at the point of attack. People have also attacked his work ethic in saying that he really hasn't gotten better in the areas he's needed to. Now, you know, that's neither here nor there, but I will say this. Greg Little, to me, didn't look like he was in the best shape coming into the combine. That was kind of alarming for a guy who that's been his M.O., that, you know, he's kind of careless with his preparation. Now, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. A lot of times it could be something as simple as, you know, the combine's a uh, uh, rigorous process, and guys are not sleeping. Sometimes guys are absolutely, uh, you know, dehydrated and haven't ate. So, I mean, it could have been that stress um, he um, definitely added to, you know, the way Greg looked, but didn't test particularly well and then kind of looks a little bit sluggish in the drills, I would say. And, uh, again, I mean, that that kind of holds true to what a lot of uh, people have been saying about him. So I like Greg on tape. Um, I think he can play football. Again, I think he's a guy that his best football is ahead of him, even though he's been – you know, a really good player, um, but, you know, I don't think he particularly helped himself um, in Indy in that regard. Yeah, I agree. It's something we noticed watching him for sure. And uh, going to the interior, guys, I want to start with a player that I noticed a few weeks back on tape that I really like at center. And we've talked about him, but I wanted to kind of talk a little bit more for, for the people about him because I feel like nobody's talking about him, and that is Georgia center Lamont Gilliard, uh, a guy yep. who I really like on tape, man. I mean, you know, I started with the LSU game, and I kind of just fell in love from there. I mean, that, that game, just his style of play, really heavy hands. He plays with that tenacity you love to see. He has the natural leverage at 6'2", so he's – generally underneath everybody he goes against, can drive guys off the ball, can yep. reach guys. So just a lot of different things he could do at a high level. And wearing number 53 I thought was cool because his style reminded me a little bit of Marquise Pouncey too. But um, yep. you know, he, he didn't test at the combine though. He was there, so I'm sure he went through interviews and all that stuff, but didn't test. Not sure why. It hasn't really been reported on. But that aside, what do you think about him in relation to the other centers? I, I think – it's probably safe to say right now he's at least in our mind I, I think we're on the same page with him maybe being that number four guy at center after the three we talked about earlier do you what do you think about his game and just his his transition to the NFL yeah absolutely I think he is definitely that uh, fourth center um, uh, amongst the guys that we talked about interesting enough is that Gilliard is a guy that stood out to us uh, when we were watching the Joe Moore uh, when we were scouting for the Joe Moore Award. Um, he's a tone setter. He mixes it up. He's physical. Man, I like what he does on his ace blocks. He's very heavy, and then he's able to bang down and climb to the second level, and he is ferocious on the second level. He does have some pouncy, his, some Marquise pouncy to him in his game, especially the way he's able to stick his foot in the ground and be able to create leverage when he uh, uh, lifts and drives. I mean, Gilliard is a guy that even his anchor is very strong. He plays, again, you say it with natural leverage. Um, he just – he's a guy that people don't talk about enough. 
and I mean, you know, he he stood out for two years to me now. Yeah, a little undersized, and from what I heard, he didn't necessarily stand out at the Shrine game and the Shrine, you know, during practices during the Shrine Shrine week. So. I don't know. I mean, still, you put it on the tape, though, and that's what we're saying is really how you judge these guys. And I watched four games of him, and I know you've seen more than that. You've probably seen every one. So, yeah, I mean, I think tape-wise, you got to put him in that top five center group. And if he gets yep. if he gets down to, you know, somewhere in day three, then you're talking about a steal, I think, somebody who can probably play right away. So, Yeah, I think so. He does fit that – he does fit that uh, that, that kind of – that mode of a, a plug-and-play, so to speak, player. Um, now, again, there's always information that the general public doesn't have, so we don't know why he didn't test. We also don't know how he is in terms of grasping concepts and things like that. I'm going to guess um, playing for Georgia uh, and Coach Pittman and kind of what I know about uh, how that program's ran internally is that he's probably a pretty bright player, um, especially playing center on that O-line has had uh, really – three really good offensive line units in a row now. Yeah, and the things that I've read about him just through media um, articles and things I've heard is ever since he switched over from defensive tackle, he's been a leader on center, you know, at center makes the calls. Teammates, we we both saw teammates were raving about him at the combine just his mentality, his attitude, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah, I think chances are probably pretty good that he's he's bright and plays the game, you know, at a high level above the shoulders. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him. Yeah, you know, I work with Isaiah Wynn, and Isaiah has spoke very highly of him. Um, he actually, Isaiah actually mentioned him last year as a guy to keep an eye on. Oh, nice. That's a that's a good tidbit for sure. So, is, with the tackles or guards, or but really the tackles, is there anybody that you look at that you actually think might be better suited to play inside? Um, you know what? I'm actually going to go on the reverse of that. I think there's a guy who people keep saying that should kick inside, and I absolutely think he's a tackle, and that's Dalton Risner. Um, and I and, and here's the thing: is yeah, about when that. you turn on the tape of, yeah, when you turn on the tape of him, he doesn't get beat. I mean, he's very efficient with his footwork. He does have a little hitch in his pass set. Um, you know, just powerful, always in position. And guess what? He looked good in the drills this week. Yeah, he you know, did. I mean, he just looked smooth, looked fluid. Um, you know, so that's a guy that I think people think has, you know, position flexibility and that his ultimate position should be um, guard, but I still view him as a tackle. Gotcha. Um, that's a good I, I, I just He's a guy that, yeah, he's a guy that I really like. Um, I can't really think of any, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head right now. I'm sure I'm drawing a blank. That should 100 percent move. Yeah, Cody Cody Ford tackle. You think he stays at tackle? I think he stays at tackle. I think he has the position flexibility to play yeah. both, though. Quite frankly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and we we saw that in the past with him. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, all right. The well, Oklahoma guys look good as well. I mean, just. Um, yeah, you know, man. They, they're head. good. Yeah, look really good. And you know what I like about some of these guys that look good you know, just moving at the combine is that they had good tape. I mean, it's just, you know, they, they, yeah, they, for sure. When you turn on the tape, they still stand out. Yeah. 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 No doubt. So, I mean, we could talk about, you know, prospects a lot longer, but I, I wanted to make sure we at least got in a little bit 
about the offensive line masterminds event that you know the inaugural event took place last year and it was just an, uh, really an honor to get there get down there with you and and uh, be at that event so do you plan on hosting that again this year what what is that looking like and could you maybe give a, anything for the people on that uh, an update at all yeah absolutely you know uh it's been it's been surreal because it was something that we uh, that I had always thought about doing. Um, and then they started doing it with, for the pass rusher summit. And then I turn on NFL network and Lane Johnson eludes, to, Hey, we need to all get together and figure out how to beat these guys. As he was talking about offensive line and getting together and figuring out the do's and don'ts and best practices against some of these elite defensive linemen. So I immediately got on the phone and called Lane. I had trained Lane in the past and we had been talking about, you know, me training him again, and it just so happened that uh, the stars kind of aligned. So it was late um, in the spring that I threw this together. So fortunate that Baylor Scott and White Sports Therapy Research, um, you know, Institute, right there at the beautiful, yeah, place. right there at the star, was very gracious. Um, I knew some people there, told them what my vision was, and they were jacked up uh, to host it because they weren't even open yet. And it is a top-notch facility right there at the star. Uh, in Frisco, Texas. Um, couldn't ask for a better turnout. Um, I had invited uh, a lot of people who, that I had relationships with because it was so short notice. And for a lot of a lot of guys, it was two weeks before training camp. You know, a lot of people couldn't change stuff around. They would have a hard time explaining that to their wife. Oh, I'm going to Dallas for a weekend, by the way, before camp. Uh, but still a great people, turnout. Yeah, the people that were supposed to be there were there. Um, you know, we ended up having Teron Armstead, uh, Lane Johnson, Mitchell Schwartz, I mean, it was first team all pro, um, Teron Armstead, second team all pro, Lane Johnson was an all pro and Super Bowl champion the year before, Arado Leary, DJ Fluker, uh, Brian Winters, Ode Abushi, who had a great year this year, Jeff Allen, who ended up signing late with Kansas City and having a, a pretty damn outstanding year. So the guys that were in that room, man, it was just, there was a lot of uh, trade secrets and, and knowledge passed on. Yes. I don't, here's the yeah. thing is when I told people I was going to do this, I think people said, oh yeah, okay. And then when it happened, the feedback and the, and the responses I got to, oh, you really did it. Like, yeah, I really, <laughs> but I say that to say this, I learned so much during that period. Uh, I'm excited. Absolutely. We're doing it again. In 2019, it'll be in July uh, towards training camp. And uh, the, the people that I've gotten confirmations from already, some heavy hitters, uh, I am jacked up looking forward to learn, to share, and just uh, be able to facilitate a, a, a learning environment and foster really a, uh, a one big O-line room, so to speak, the O-line room. And there's nothing better than hearing it from and getting perspective from the guys in the arena. You know, they say it's not the critics um, that make the difference, but it's the guys that really uh, have their blood, sweat, and tears in the middle of the, the arena, so to speak. So the man in the arena with Teddy Roosevelt is how I opened up um, O-line Mastermind. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I truly believe that. It's the guys that are doing it that uh, that uh, that really are um, the ones that, that um, we should be hearing from. So 
You know, it's just yeah, it's sure. just amazing that you end up hearing from guys like Andrew Whitworth and Joe Staley and David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga and uh, guys that all want to be involved and their schedule uh, allows. So it's pretty humbling and right. real to, to really hear that in addition to the guys that were already there this year. So we're looking at having maybe upwards to 40 or 50 guys and a, a lot of guys. There's going to be a lot of all pros in that room and Super Bowl champions just guys that have played a lot of damn football. Yeah, man, some of those names are exciting for sure to add on to what you already said and the guys on that were there last year. So, man, I'm excited for that. I can't wait to, to get up there and, and be there again. That's, that's a special event, and it's so valuable because offensive linemen, as has been talked about a lot, they need some additional help in in, in combating the amount of talent right now on the defensive side of the ball so this this event i think is the premier example of that so yeah it's just awesome yeah you know and o-line masterminds to be completely honest with you o-line masterminds wouldn't have uh ran as smoothly if we didn't have uh your work in terms of advanced scouting um the advanced scouting stuff that you did for us uh was 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 clutch um looking forward to i know you're already been working on uh, you know, how you're going to elevate that uh, for this year. Uh, I can't wait to get the high-performance psychology piece added to O-Line Masterminds as well, um, which is going to give our guys the mental tools and the, and the prowess to be able to, um, you know, really have tools in the toolbox other than just physical. But, like, the mental resiliency training is, is clutch to be able to duplicate, uh, you know, some of these plans for when they, when the bullets really start flying. So I'm excited to add some of these new components to online masterminds and continue to make this thing uh, bigger and better with some of the best professionals, not only in offensive line, but professionals in what they do. Uh, we call it a mastermind session because we, we want to start including some of those, you know, uh, people that are masters of their field that can help us give uh, tidbits to high performance. So I'm excited as hell for uh, online masterminds in July of 2019 which, you know, we've already been playing it, and it's coming up real fast. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. That's going to be a great event. And I uh, just want to thank you for taking the time to do this and giving us a little preview on that. Speaking on Prospects Combine, this was great, and I know everybody in the offensive line and line community is going to appreciate this. So, yeah, thank you for taking the time, man. I appreciate that. No problem at all, Brandon. Anytime um, I'm, I'm here. I appreciate you having me. For sure. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's ethos, E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com.
All right, everybody, I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Duke. He was kind enough to, to have me come stay with him at the Combine. That was my first trip there. We got to spend a lot of time together. I got to meet a lot of coaches, players, professional, college, media guys that I had not met yet, friends in the industry. So it was a great time. I thought Indianapolis was a really cool city and an ideal location for the event, just in terms of logistics, the hotels all nearby, good food everywhere, everything with his, was within walking distance. The only downside really is the cold, but you know, aside from that, it's it's really a great location. So hopefully the NFL continues to have it but there. And that offensive line conversation, the offensive line mastermind conversation that we had at the end there, I'm really excited to get down there again. That was one of the coolest things that I've ever done to be in the room with those guys and to actually create the film content that was being watched and and looked at in terms of opposing pass rushers, opposing defensive line. I advanced scouted them and broke it down, categorized the film into a lot in a, in a lot of cool ways and I'm planning on expanding that a great deal this year to really take it to another level. So I'm I'm really excited to get down there again, and I will be hosting at least one podcast while I'm down there. Hopefully I can get multiple guys on at once with me, and I think that would be awesome for you guys to to really get that exclusive content from down there. And then I'm also going to have Duke on again soon before the draft so we can rank these offensive linemen for you because I know that people want us to do that. And I would like to uh, at least get a top five at each position, guard center, guard center tackle. I think that would be pretty cool. So I'm pretty close to being able to do that, and I know Duke is as well. So just expect those things coming down. And this week as well, I'm going to have another podcast for you where I'm going to do it in a more traditional setup. And that is that should be here in the middle of the week. But again, just thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe. That really helps me and helps this movement grow. So thanks for listening and be on the lookout for a podcast later this week.